Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Would you stand up? We're going to sing together and worship the Lord with one voice. Come on. We're going to sing. Strong. 
Of the goodness of God. 
we sing. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Well, I think that we can sing that as the truth. Thank you that you've given us hope through your son, Jesus. We can sing that because of him. Father, we love you and we thank you. And everybody in this room said, amen. Thank our great God. What a great God we serve today. Thank you, folks. We appreciate our worship team. You may be seated, please. I want to thank you for your serving in the Lord today, uh, for being here in our worship team serving. Thank you for serving by being here and worshiping our great God. God's been so good to us, hasn't he? And so as we continue today, we just want to, uh, we, we want to just give you a few announcements here today. First is our next steps meeting is, uh, is coming up next Sunday. January the 31st after our 1215 gathering. So if you would like to uh, be a member of the church, you say, I'd like to know more about the church. How can I get involved? What are my next steps in the church? We want to invite you to come on out and check that out. That will be next Sunday, January the 31st at 1215. We will also have a, a special, um, th- there's a sign-up. You can go in the foyer and sign-up. Go to the website and sign-up. We're thankful. There's, a, there's going to be lunch for you. It'll be a great time. We're looking forward to just uh, spending some time with a few of you and helping you through the journey of membership. And then today I also want to uh, give you some good news about our birthday gift to Jesus. You know, we've set up, our goal was $90,000, and God has just done exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. And look what God has brought in, folks, $145,700. Can we thank our good God? I am always amazed at what God does. This is like the hand of God. God is moving mightily in the church. And as we give unto him, uh, we're giving this out to these missionaries. And it's just everything that has come in has gone out. I want you to know this week those checks went out of here. Isn't that exciting? Let's thank God for that. They're already in the mail. So... A hundred percent of what comes in goes out. None of this stays here. We give this all to help the missionaries. So we went down that list and we said, okay, here's an extra thousand, extra thousand, extra thousand. We were able to give them all an extra thousand. We're able to pick up a few others that we weren't able to fit on the list to make 90. So uh, we are so thankful for what God is doing and God is just doing some incredible things. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving faithfully. Thankful for, uh, thankful that you have worshiped the Lord faithfully. Uh, 2020 was a challenge, wasn't it? But God is way bigger than all that. And I'm, I'm tired of hearing about 2020, aren't you? It's over. That's, that's in my rearview mirror. And, uh, and we're, we're moving forward. We're moving on to greater things with God. But I want to thank you. The people of God have been faithful. Like, we have a great God. We get to serve our great God. And our great God is doing things every day of our life. And so as we keep following him and keep worshiping him, you've worshiped with us online. Many of you are joining us online, live right now this morning. Others are here in the auditorium. And God is moving. And despite all the circumstances around us, 
Our God is always faithful, and I want to thank you for your faithfulness. You've been faithful to God. You've been growing in Him. You've been being transformed by Him. You've been faithful in giving. I want to say thank you for your giving. Our giving statements are going out in the mail this week for the 2020 uh, giving letter. The giving statement and giving letter has gone out, so you'll be receiving that in the mail, and that'll be for your tax purposes that you can use those uh, those documentation. But uh, we just want to thank you for your, your faithfulness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and thank our great God. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you for all that you've done. God, you've been so good to us. Lord, I thank you that as we come and we gather around your name, Lord, that you are, are doing mighty, mighty things in us and through us. And so, God, I ask now that you will continue to do your work in the church, Lord. Thank you for the advances that we have been able to make for the kingdom of God, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the, the lives that are being transformed, for the many people that have come to know you over this last year, for the, for the many people that uh, have, have found peace in Christ through this time. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness in giving, Lord, as we think about uh, just giving to the birthday gift of Jesus and how that we try to take Christmas and make it more about giving to you for it's your birthday rather than just, uh, just going through the motions of life and just another holiday, Lord. We have given to you, and Lord, we ask that as these funds go out around the world, they're meeting needs for, for children in Haiti, children in Ecuador, children in the Philippines. Uh, Father, for, for our missionary in the Czechoslovakia, in Serbia, uh, in China, in Bethlehem, Israel. God, all around the world, we have people whose, whose needs are being met, and you have chosen to use the generosity of the people of God here in Pittsburgh. So, Lord, we're thankful for the small part that we can have in your big world. And we're thankful uh, that your people have been just so faithful and so dedicated to giving. In your name we pray. Amen. Our message today. This is our 21 days of prayer, and today is the 21st day of prayer. And so I've asked Kim to just share with us a little bit. We've been praying for the birthday gift of Jesus all since October, November, December, and they've been teaching the kids how to give down there. And I thought, what better way to start a sermon on prayer than to talk about an answer to prayer? So, Kim, um, you guys downstairs see a lot of answers to prayer, and I know the kids have even been doing the 21-day prayer uh, prayer challenge. So would you just tell us a little bit about what God's been doing? Good morning. We're so thrilled to share with you what we've been doing downstairs. So the kids have all participated in um, the birthday gift to Jesus. We shared with them about Daniel and Ana Gonzalez. They are from Ecuador. They're one of our missionaries that we give to. 
And so the kids have been bringing in money since November, and we told them that we would throw them an ice cream party downstairs if they hit their goal. And so we asked them what they, what they wanted the goal to be. Last year it was 500, and they surpassed 500 last year by just a little bit. And so this year they said, we want it to be 600. And Miss Chrissy and I were like, well, why don't we stick with the 500 again, and let's see how that goes. And they blew it out of the water. Where is it at? Here it is over here. Junior's holding it, $647.37. So Wyatt has our sign here that we were adding dots. So as the kids were bringing in money, every $10, we were adding the little dots to hit 100 and 200 and 300 and 400, five, and then we went past that. And so each time kids brought in um, money, what did they get to do, Sierra? On the tickets. We put names on tickets, and then once we reached our goal, we picked three kids from first hour and three kids from second hour, and they won gift cards as well. And then they all got ice cream as their big reward. So it was really exciting to watch the kids each week faithfully bring in um, their money for the birthday gift to Jesus and just how excited they were to, to surpass their goal. So thank you for letting us share, Pastor Ken. Awesome. Let's thank God for our children and what God's doing down there. They are just so cute. Can we have another hand for them, man? They are incredible. I love our kids. God's given us such a great church family, hasn't he? And I'm so thankful for our children and what God's doing and how he's working in their lives. And, you know, to be able to teach them, you know, I was just reminded... That's how I started to learn how to give to the birth to give to Jesus. Like whenever I was a little kid coming to the church here, they told me, let's make Jesus first. So it was, it was really nothing for me to do that. Like I've just been doing that since, since I've been seven or eight years old. And, and, uh, and now my kids are doing that. And I taught my kids that from the time they were little. We used to bring in a, a box and we'd wrap it up and, you know, they would try, uh, a couple Christmas Eve's would put it down in front of the tree here and, we did just different things to teach them the priorities. And now my kids are adults, and, and, and they are, get really excited about what God does and as they're able to see the needs. And, man, when, you're, when your adult kid comes and says, Hey, Dad, I, I prayed and, and I asked God for this, and look what God did. And I saw the hand of God. And so as, as we are going along this, this prayer journey, I want to just thank God this morning. As we look at that, that $145,000, that is bigger than our church. That is really way bigger than our church because it shows the mighty hand of God. And this is what God did. So let, let's just thank him this morning. Let's praise the name. He is so wonderful, isn't he not? And as you're thinking about answers to prayer, you know, I really think it's important that we teach our children how to pray. Um, Jesus said, allow the children to come unto me. And, and as the children would come unto him, they learned how to pray. And so I want to just encourage you that God answers prayers for kids. He answers prayers for adults. He answers prayers for everybody. And, uh, and, and this, this, this praying is, is a very real thing. When we pray, we get to come before God. and We get to, we get to actually talk to the king of the universe. I'd like to just share with you a story about a lady by the name of Helen Rosevere. She was a missionary from Northern Ireland, and she went to the Congo. And one night she was in Central Africa, and, uh, and she's, she had worked, and she, what she would quite often do is help these ladies deliver babies. And so she was kind of a midwife, if you will. 
And she went in there, and she would just help them deliver. And one night they had a particularly rough situation. She worked with uh, children at, at an orphanage. She would also help deliver these babies. And they had one particularly rough day where the, the lady had a little two-year-old, and a lady was pregnant, and she went into premature labor. And she gave birth to a baby prematurely, but in the process, they ended up losing the mother. And so this little baby was there, and they had no incubators out where they were at. And, uh, and so, so what they needed to do was to keep the baby warm. And so quite often in, in that part of the country, at that, uh, that part of Africa, in this particular time frame, they would go and they would grab a hot water bottle. And uh, what would happen, though, is the plastic would deteriorate from the culture and the climate, and quite often they would go fill up the water bottle, and as they filled up, it would just burst. So on this particular night, they knew that they needed to put, uh, put, put a hot water bottle by the baby or else the baby isn't going to make it. They needed the warmth like an incubator would do. So, uh, so they go and they get the hot water bottle and they fill up the hot water bottle and the hot water bottle ends up bursting. So it's an emergency situation. They end up having somebody sitting near a fire with the baby. And, uh, and, and I'm just going to read to you part of the account from there of, of what happens here. She says that a student midwife went for the box that we, had, uh, that we had for such babies and for the cotton wool that the baby would be wrapped in. Another went to stoke up the fire and fill a hot water bottle, but she came back shortly. She was distressed to tell me that in filling the water bottle that it had burst. Rubber was all over the place. Rubber, rubber shrapnel was easily, um, would easily uh, just break apart in that climate. It was our last hot water bottle, she exclaimed. And in, as in West Africa, they would, uh, as in the West, we would say no crying over spilled milk. So in Central Africa, it would be considered no good crying over a burst water bottle because it would just happen all the time. They don't grow on trees. There are no drugstores down there in the forest pathways. All right, she said, put the baby near as you can to the fire, as safely as you can to the fire. Sleep between the baby and the door to keep it free from drafts. Your job is to keep the baby warm. The following noon, she says, I did as, most, uh, I did, as I did on most days. I want to have prayers with the children of the orphanage who chose to gather with me. I gave, the youngsters, uh, I gave the youngsters various suggestions of things to pray about, and I told them about the tiny baby. I explained our problem about keeping the baby uh, warm, uh, warm enough and not having a water bottle. The baby could easily die if it got chilled. So I then told the two, uh, I, I, and I also told them about the two-year-old sister and how she was crying because her mother had died. During the prayer time, she continues on, during the prayer time, a 10-year-old girl, Ruth, prayed the, uh, the usual blunt, bluntness uh, as the widow of the children in the orphanage. She said, please, God... Send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. God, the baby will be dead, so please send it this afternoon. Well, the, uh, the, the, this lady, the missionary says that she grasped innately. She couldn't believe, wow, what's God going to do here? And while you were at it, the, baby continue, uh, the little girl continues on. She says, and Lord, while you're at it, could you please send a little doll for the girl so she'll know that you really love her? Now, can you imagine you're the missionary and you're, you're walking through this journey. You've just lost this mother. The next day you're praying and you're with the, with the orphans. And the orphan says, Lord, we need a water bottle today. God, would you do this? And, and by the way, God, would you give us a doll for, for her little sister? As often with children's prayers, you put, uh, she was put on the spot. Could I honestly say amen? I just did not believe that God could do this. 
Oh, yes, I know that he can do everything. The Bible says so, but, but there are limits, aren't there? The only way God can answer this particular prayer would be by sending a parcel from the homeland. I had been in Africa for almost four years at the time. I had never, ever received a parcel from home. Anyway, if anyone did send a parcel, who would put in a hot water bottle? I lived on the equator. Halfway through the afternoon, while I was teaching in the nurses' training school, a message was sent there with uh, uh, a message was sent that there was a car at my front door. By the time that I had reached home, the car had gone. But there, on the veranda, was a large 22-pound parcel. I felt tears pricking my eyes. I could not open the parcel alone, so I sent uh, sent for the orphanage children to help me. Together, we pulled off the string, and we carefully undid the, the, each knot. We unfolded the paper, tear, taking care not to tear it unduly. Excitement was, uh, was mounting. Some 30 or 40 pairs of eyes were focused on the large cardboard box. From the top, I lifted out brightly colored knit jerseys. Eyes sparkled as I gave them out. Then there were knit bandages for the leprosy patients, and the children began to look a little bored. Next came out a box of mixed raisins and sultans that would make a nice batch of buns for the weekend. Uh, As I put my hand in again, I felt, could it really be? I grasped it, and I pulled at it. Yes, it was a brand new hot water bottle. I cried. I had not asked God to send it. I had not truly believed that he could. Ruth was in the front row of the children. She rushed forward crying, If God has sent the bottle, he must have sent the doll too. Rummaging down to the bottom of the box, she pulled out the small, beautifully dressed doll. Her eyes, her eyes were so bright, she had never doubted. Looking up at me, she asked, Can I go over with you? And give this dolly to the little girl so she'll know that Jesus really loves her. The parcel had been on the way for five whole months, packed from my former Sunday school class, whose leader had heard and obeyed God's prompting to send a hot water bottle, even to the equator. One of the girls put in a little doll for an African child five months earlier. And it was an answer to prayer of a ten-year-old girl that afternoon. I want to encourage you because as we teach our children to pray, as we teach, as we learn how to pray, I want to encourage you to to really believe that God can answer your prayer. Like when you meet with God, you are talking to the God of the universe. And if God would do that for a little girl, for for I mean, you think about it. Send a hot water bottle and a little doll, and you say, "Well, oh come on, that's just such a nice story." Listen, it's powerful. This isn't about nice. This is like the big God of the universe. He saw this little girl in Africa, and he said, "I'm going to hear your prayer." And and as we said before, God's God's answering your prayers even before you're asking. And so five months earlier, God orchestrated this, and so we we see these big answers to prayer. And so that's the type of journey I want our church to be on. I hope and pray that you have had the best 21 days of your life as you've been meeting with God. I know that we have nearly 200 people that have signed up for our daily text that comes out. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed those, just a, a text of encouragement. And we'll probably keep, keep a few verses going here. We, now, why would we stop at 21 days? I want to encourage you, don't stop praying. Like, that wasn't like, oh, you know, that'd be like saying, okay, I want the Planet Fitness for 21 days. 
I'm done. Um, you know what? <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I'll just let you know that, all right? So, um, I, you know, it's like we're creating new habits. And as we create this new habit, let's go for it and let's really seek the face of God. As, as we consider prayer, what happens is you're coming in and you're, you're in the presence of God Almighty and He transforms us. I want to take you to, this morning, Moses, the life of Moses. You know, Moses was a powerful prayer. When you think about Moses, Moses was a man who led a group of people that were in slavery. For 400 years, they were in slavery. And so God leads this group of people out of slavery, and he chooses Moses to do this. Moses goes up on the the mountain, and he meets with God. When he comes back down off the mountain, the people have turned on God. They're, 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 they're worshiping a, a, a golden cow. They made a graven image, and, and, and everything's just gone awry for them. So it's just a, just a terrible situation. And yet, Moses is now looked upon, as you go back and you look at the life of Moses, he was the greatest leader to ever live. You, I mean, I've read books on leadership from the life of Moses. And you go back and you look at this. How did that happen? How did God do that? Well, let me tell you how God did it. He developed Moses with a relationship of prayer. And so Moses grew in a relationship of prayer. Um, he went down the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he comes uh, coming down from the Ten Commandments, and, and everything's going awry. He, you better believe he had to pray. And then there were people complaining nonstop. Like, the, you know, he had a couple million people out there in the desert, and they're wandering for 40 years, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to take, take you to where God takes us next. Next, he had to develop a prayer life. And so I want to look at a little bit of the, the prayer life of Moses today. This is Exodus chapter 33, beginning in verse 7. Um, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away calling it the tent of meeting. Remember, this was a, a, a nomadic group of people. They're, they're roaming, and so they would put up their tent, and they would move to the next place. God would maybe allow them to stay for a week or two here or there, and they would just keep moving from place to place. And as God would move, there was a pillar of smoke, okay? And as, as the pillar of smoke would move by day, fire by night, they would move. And so they, they were following the leadership of God. So Moses learned this, and he said, okay, I'm going to develop a special place. And he puts, puts a tent outside. So everybody had a tent. This was a special tent. He puts a tent outside, and he pitched it out outside the camp some distance away, and he called it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent meeting outside the camp, to the tent of meeting outside of camp. The next verse here, verse 8. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered. So they they all came out, and they would watch him as he would go in. It was a very special moment because Moses would go in, and they knew that he would meet with God there. The next verse here, verse 9. And Moses went into the tent. The pillar, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. I mean, what a powerful visual here that uh, that, that, that pillar that's leading, it would come down, and as Mo- it wouldn't go down until Moses got into the tent. I want you to catch that. Moses goes into the tent, and as Moses would go in, that pillar would come down while Moses spoke with the Lord. 
Verse 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to the tent. So they, they, would, they would worship the Lord, and they knew that there was something powerful that was happening because Moses was meeting with God. Verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I catch that. It's conversational. It's relational. He would speak the Lord and God. The Lord God and Moses would talk just like a friend would talk. Then Moses would return to the camp. But this young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Uh, he had a place that he went. It, w- it was a special place. And I went, if you're taking notes this morning, you can follow along with the fill in the blank there. Moses had a special place where he met with God. He really did. Uh, like, like this, was, this was a place that he set aside and said, this is a place that is really holy unto, unto him. Because uh, when, you, when you study the word holy, that's all it means is set apart. And so this was a place that was set apart unto, unto, unto the Lord. It was a special place where he would meet with God. So I want you to catch the visual here. Here's the tent. Just, just put up this picture here, all right? Here's this tent out there, and, and this is this holy place where he would meet with God. Like Moses would just go out. So, and, and the Scripture says that it was removed from everybody else's tent. It was some distance away. So they knew when they saw Moses starting out towards the tent, something special was going to happen. Moses would go out there, and then the pillar of cloud. I want you to check out this next picture. This is, you know, the best that we can kind of get an idea of what a pillar of cloud would be like. You know, this pillar of cloud, you know, I envision like a mini tornado coming down, right? This little swirl of cloud would come down. And so this is what they would follow, and it would take them to the next place, their next town. But as Moses went into that tent, this pillar of cloud would come down. And God and Moses would talk, and they had a conversation. Moses understood that he had to be removed from the busyness of life. His place of meeting with God was removed from the busyness of life. And I want to challenge you, when you are meeting with God, don't just try and sandwich it in. Listen, you can try and sandwich this in and say, oh, you know what, I I can do that while I'm doing something else. Really? Really? You can meet with God while you're doing something else. I can't. I haven't found out that, you know, like God needs my divided attention, right? God needs my undivided attention. And when you meet with God, like, like listen, I, I, I've got to get alone. And, and we're called to pray without ceasing. So, yes, we do pray all day long while we are doing many things. But I want to encourage you to be like Moses and go and get alone with God. What is the time in your day that is set that is important for God. Like, I want to challenge us as a family uh, of believers, as growing believers. Like, set on your calendar. Maybe you have to set your alarm clock a little bit earlier. Um, the other day, I, I, was, I was just beside myself a little bit, and I had three people in line to meet with me. I said, can you come back in one hour? They looked at me like, what? I said, i got to meet with God first. I wasn't trying to be anything. I just needed some peace in my heart and soul. And I said, I just, I just need to get alone with God. And so I sat down, I met with God, and then I came back and I, I, I came out a little bit later and I said, man, I think I can do this now. 
I think I can accomplish what God's called me to do. Because I was just filling my life with other things. And, and man, when you sit down and you give God that time, Moses had a very personal meeting with God. Not only was it a, a, a private meeting, not only was it removed from the busyness of life, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And I want to encourage you to have this relational walk with God. Nothing was hidden from God. It was, a, it was a dear, it was a daily dialogue. Like he had this dialogue that would go on every day, and it would continue this conversation. Uh, it would be a close, it would be a consistent com- conversation. And it said that he would do this every day. Moses had probably, you know how this happened? Moses had probably developed this in his earlier part of his life. If you look at the life of Moses, you can see it. In, he lived to be 120 years. Um, the first 40 years... As you know, he was an Israelite who was raised up under the Egyptian courts. So God had used his mother to put him because they were, they were killing all the babies. The, the Egyptians were killing all these, uh, the male babies, right? So they put him out and they, they, they put him out for safety. And so as he comes out for safety, uh, through the bulrushes, he's picked up by the, by the Egyptian court. One of Pharaoh's daughters actually comes out and they take him and they are able to raise him. And he grows up in Pharaoh's court in, under the Egyptian rule. And so he had a good life really for 40 years. He had all the, all the good things that came with all the, the wealth and all the comfort. But one day as he's 40 years old, he sees that there's a problem. And so what happened at that point was he goes out and he tries to do something in his own strength at 40 years old. He sees the oppression of his people and he says, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And as he takes matters into his own hands, he goes out and he ends up killing a guy. He sees an abuse of a slave, and so, so he ends up taking and kill, uh, kills one of the Egyptians. And so God takes him and he says, here's what I'm going to do with you, Moses. You're going to run, and you've got to get out of there. And so he takes him out to the desert, and the next period of his life is 40 years in a desert. It's there that he meets his wife. It's there that his family begins. It's there that, that uh, he has this development of a relationship with God. And I want you to catch this because we all look at the last 40 years of Moses' life. When, when, when Moses is 40, uh, he's 80 years old, so 40, and, and, and then the second 40 is done, he's 80. We look at Moses, and what do you remember about Moses? You remember most about Moses all the, all the plagues, don't you? You remember the, the grasshoppers, and you remember him parting the Red Sea. And there's so many big things about Moses. But let me tell you what, this 40-year period where he was out in the desert, God developed him. And I want to challenge you, what is the desert that you're going through right now? What is that, that remote place that God has you, and he's working, and he's developing you? You say, I don't know what God's doing. Man, all I know is, listen, you want to imagine for Moses that period of 40 years, how, like, God, what are you going to do with me? When are you going to tell me to, when, when can I do something for you? I'm just, he's out there raising sheep. He's in the middle of nowhere. So God places him out there and develops him and engrows him. And that is probably where he learned how to pray. Um, that's the secret, folks, of inner strength is learning how to pray. Learning how to develop a friendship with God. So if you want inner strength, that's the foundation of effective prayer, is to, to learn how to have a relationship with God. And so I, I, my prayer for you has been, have you been taking that journal and, and, and filling it in? It's just blank paper. And we've, we've given you that blank space so that you can journal that with you and God. Some of you are incredible journal 
journalist, right? I guess you can write and you can journal. I'm not, for me, journaling is a discipline. I have to, I have to force myself to do that. I don't often just sit down and, and journal how my day went. Um, and, and that's not, I'm not asking you to journal how your day went. I'm asking you to, to write some. So in my prayer journal, there's some prayer prompts. There's some random statements. It, it fits my personality. You make it fit your personality. Some of you are very eloquent at words. You hear me for 35 minutes every week. You know I'm not eloquent at words, okay? God hears me every day. He knows I don't know the English language very well. But he can understand whatever language he's, I'm speaking, right? He's got it figured out. And so I want to encourage you to, to just take that. And, man, you can, I have a blank page in there. It's okay. You're going to have blank pages. You're going to miss a day. It's okay. God says, listen, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for a relationship. And I'll tell you what, I, uh, you know, I, I keep going back to uh, how, a, how a husband and wife operate and, and that whole dating thing and how that, that operates. You know, you watch, uh, you watch somebody who's dating. If these two people were dating, a, hus- uh, a guy and a girl are dating, right? Um, if they don't talk to each other for three days, suspicion comes in. Have you ever noticed that? Like, oh, does he still like me? Does she still like me? I mean, you, you hear all these kind of crazy things. You know, well, what happened? And, and so this is what God's looking for us. God's saying, hey, I want you to develop this friendship with me every day. And the more that you don't talk to God, the more suspicious you become of him. Uh, God, God says, I want you to talk to me every day. Look here, Exodus 33, verse 12, continuing on. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send. Forty years earlier, he's gone out in his own strength, and he's tried to do this. He, think about this. He saw the injustice. He said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that lead right now. And it wasn't the right time, and it was also in his own strength. Now he knows he needs God. Now he understood the presence of God. He understood that there's no other way except for the presence of God to be upon him. Uh, Moses was successful because he asked God for help, praying uh, prayer was, uh, was one of the most effective prayers in the Bible that we see from Moses here. I want you to catch this out here because verse 13, he continues on. Uh, you have said, I know you by name and, I have found, and you have found favor with me. I know you by name and you have found favor with me. Lord, I'm talking to you. Continuing on the next verse here, verse 13. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Lord, teach me your ways. That I, I want to know you. Listen to the power of his prayer there. I want to know you, Lord. He continues on, verse, 13, uh, verse 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Folks, that's what God's saying to us today. His presence is with you. And when his presence is with you is where you'll find rest. The world that we're living in right now has no rest. Nothing. Amen out there? (laughs) Listen, there's nothing in this world that is restful. There's nothing out there that is providing rest or peace or comfort. And God says, my presence will go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with me, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. You know what Moses was praying? And this is the second thought in your notes today. Moses was praying... Go with us, Lord. Lord, go with us. And so as he's praying, this is what I want to ask, ask you to pray. Lord, go with us. 
As a matter of fact, he's saying, Lord, we're not going to go unless, unless you are the one that leads us. I, I, I met with the staff the other day, and I said, you know, we're looking at, as we're planning uh, the next coming things, I said, has anybody prayed about this? Have we asked God, are we to do this, or are we just looking at the calendar? And so my challenge is, hey, I don't want to just, hey, this is what the next thing that we do and the next thing, and we're on this hamster cycle of life, you know, that little hamster wheel. Uh, what, what we are on, we're, we're meeting with God, and it's like, okay, God, what direction do you want this church to go? Lord, go with us. And that's where I'm asking God to lead us. How about, how about for your family? Some of you have kids that are going to graduate and go off to college Help them pray, Lord, go with us. Lord, we're not going to go unless you lead us. God, what is your plan for my kid's life? Uh, Lord, for my family, maybe some of you are at some job situations and you have to make some job decisions, your career changes here. Just with everything that's changed, there's a lot of decisions you have to make. The biggest prayer would be, Lord, go with us. Lord, I want your presence to be upon us. Your presence is our source of survival. That's what Moses understood. God, I'm not going to be able to do this without you. Without you, we will be nothing. Verse 16, he continues on. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? He's saying, Lord, go with us. Your presence is the mark of your pleasure. Isn't that interesting? How will they know that you're pleased unless you go with us? His presence is how we know that he is pleased. Verse I'm continuing on here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth. What else is going to distinguish us, Lord? Uh, and, and I want you to catch that today because that's the distinguishing mark today of the follower of God. His presence. His presence to be upon you. And so Moses developed this prayer life. It was a daily prayer life. He got along with God. And when he got along with God, God did some powerful things. Check this out here over in uh, verse 17 here. It continues on. The Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Folks, Scripture is real clear that God knows you by name. You are his child. You are not human number 1.795 billion. You are not a barcode. Thank God for that, huh? Remember those... Well, anyhow, I was thinking of a Cabbage Patch doll, but, you know, I guess that wasn't a barcode. It was a signature, right? You know? Aren't you glad you're not just something that you've been scanned into some computer somewhere? God knows your name. He's got your number. He understands everything about you. He knows, he knows down to the hair that are on your head. And you know my problem. He knows how many. He knows how many or how little hair you have on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows what you like. He knows what you need. And you know what he's called us to do? He's called us to be prayerfully dependent on him for his presence. And what will be the game changer? The game changer for us is the presence of God. And when Moses is talking to the Lord and the Lord replies back and says, I will do the very thing that you have asked. And I just wonder how about us when we go to meet with God? How about about when God comes with us and he tells us, listen, This is the game changer for you. I want you to understand, and I want you to grow in me. Look at Exodus 34, 29. Exodus 34, verse 29 says this, that uh, 
I think go back, and we might be a little bit ahead there. Did we have a verse before there? Maybe it didn't make it in there. Uh, anyhow, Exodus 34, verse 29 says this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai the two, with the two tablets of the, tes, uh, of the testimony of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When, what would happen when, when Moses got with God, his face, the Bible says that his countenance would glow. People would be like, wow, he was with God. And I want us to catch that because in the, in the Old Testament, there's a key phrase that you'll see over and over. God was with him. God was with him. Uh, the presence of God is all about God being with you. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. The things that, want, that we want and that we need the most come from God. And now catch that. The, the presence of God is what we need. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But whenever you go into prayer, it's the manifest presence of God. It's like God says, listen, I have now got your attention. God is with you no matter where you go, no matter the ups and the downs out there. But whenever you stop and you go out to your tent of meeting, you go out to your special place, all of a sudden you see the manifest presence of God. And as you go through the Scripture, I want, I want to just give you a few thoughts here. There are a few things that accompany the presence of God. Number one is individual protection and provisions. If you were to go over to Genesis chapter 28 and verse 15, you'll see how the God promised to protect. And you see the provision that he gives, protection and provision. Deliverance and transformation. We see that over in Acts chapter 7 verse 9. Here it says, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him. Joseph was sold off, the scripture tells us, and he sold into a pit, sold off into slavery, and you see this whole 17 year estrangement from his family, you see this lifelong challenge for him. And yet God was with him, even in the hard, hard times. So we see God's transformation in the hard times. We see God's deliverance. Um, we see prosperity in the face of adversity. Genesis 39.2 says that, um, that, that, that the Lord was with Joseph, and, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So God kept, kept working, but God was with him. I love that. The Lord was with Joseph. Success. We see that success comes from the presence of the Lord. You want to know what to do in your job tomorrow? You need the presence of the Lord. God keeps telling us, uh, we have many people in our church that, that have businesses, and, or you work and you help run a business, and, and we all have a job. God, we, need, we need the strength of God for success in our life. And so look here at First Chronicles 17.2. Nathan replied to David, whatever you have in mind... Do it, for God is with you. Now, when the presence of God is upon you, if you've met with God, you've been with God, and you have this idea for your, for your uh, job that you're working, your career, whatever, or your business, I want to encourage you. The Scripture says here, to Nathan replies to David, because God had a plan for David. He says, remember, God is with you. Set your mind to it. And I want to remind you that God is with you. You have a purpose. You have a plan. God has a plan for your life. And as you keep going day in and day out, and you're meeting with God, God is going to give you. Remember, he says, uh, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Come before the Lord, meet with him, and go. Uh, he gives national protection. He gives blessings. Um, he gives destruction of fear. 
right? Overcoming fear. Look here, Psalm 118.6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Read that with me. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Listen, God, when you understand the Lord is with me, man, I need to quote that. I, I do. These things come out of my heart all the time because we all face fear. We all face things of these nature. Uh, we have godly influence comes from. And all these, you keep looking through the Old Testament, through the Old and New Testament, you'll find this. Courage, victory. These are all things that come from the presence of God. Uh, a guarantee of God's promises. Look here in 1 Samuel 3.19. We see this, that the Lord was with Samuel as he grew. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. God keeps his promise. If you go back and you look at the life of Samuel, you'll see that there was a promise made and God keeps his promises. Greatness comes from the, the presence of God. Encouragement comes from the hand of God. Uh, from the presence of God. Look at this here. First Chronicles 28.20. David also said to Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. There it is. God is with you. He is with you. His presence is the game changer, folks. Um, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God gives encouragement. He continues on. He says, he will not fail you. I love that. He will not fail you. He'll not leave you. He'll not forsake you until the work is done to the temple the Lord is finished. So God had a job, and Solomon was to continue the work. And so David says, listen, you've got to continue this, not because we're so strong, not because we're so mighty, not because we have had success already, but because the Lord is with you. Confidence. We find confidence. Uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Uh, the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. We have confidence. You, you want to go to work tomorrow like a mighty warrior? Just don't be Rambo, okay? Don't be swinging that sword everywhere all day. Um, but you have confidence in, in the, who the Lord is, like a mighty warrior. Uh, evidence of God's favor, miraculous powers. Look, look here at the, the powers that God gave to the to the new pe- uh, to the people to, to Jesus. I'm sorry. Acts 10:38. We see this scripture. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. He healed all these people who were under the enemy's power. Because God was with him. And so today I want to encourage you, let, let your tent of meeting. Where's the place that you meet with God? Do you have a special place? Maybe it's your chair. If, if, it's, if it's in your comfy chair, don't, don't put it, the TV on. I, I mean, get alone with God. Go, go, maybe it's in the basement. Maybe it's in your office at work. Maybe, may, maybe it's in your sunroom. Uh, meet with God, get along with God, and go into the presence of God and realize that He is with you every day. A couple thoughts here. When we meet with God, when you meet with God, God changes your countenance. All right? These are in your notes there. Follow along. When we meet with God, He changes our countenance. Like, like our countenance is changed. I was reading about some of these old-timers that understood this, and they really, they really got beyond the service of playing church. 
They, they didn't just rattle off a few verses so that they felt comfortable. They, they got in the presence of God. Uh, one of them was John Wesley. John Wesley was a man that sought to keep the glow of God in his heart so strong and so burning hot that when you got around him, you said you wanted to meet him. John Wesley was used by God. He started a great revival in this country. It's incredible. Uh, there was another man by the name of Charles Finney. He was a lawyer. And this lawyer came to Christ. He, he became a follower of Jesus. And he, he got into understanding God and he developed his prayer life. And he would go out and he would start to preach. And he would go into these little towns upstate New York. And he would start to preach. And, and as history tells us here, Charles Finney would go into these little towns. And as he would walk in, they said that the presence of God on this guy was so strong that people would just, he didn't even have to preach. People would come to Christ. They would come and ask him, what must I do? Let's go. I'm ready to repent. And it was all because he had the presence of God upon him. I was reading uh, about a a cotton mill that he went into. He was preaching in one of these little towns, and he went into a cotton mill. And as he went into the cotton mill to preach, he goes into this cotton mill. And uh, and, and, I'm sorry, not to preach, just for a tour. But he had been doing a a, a preaching in the town. He goes in there for to this little tour of the cotton mill. And as he goes in, one of the ladies who was working on the loom, she just starts staring at him. She begins to well up with tears in her eyes. He didn't say a word. He's taking this tour. And then then all of a sudden, everybody gets quiet. Imagine this factory, all these ladies working on this cotton mill. And pretty soon, everybody is quiet now. And and, and they said that at one point, everything stopped. All production stopped. And the owner of the business come out to find out what was going on. Charles Finney said, listen, we need to shut down because it's more important for souls to come to God right now than for this mill to run and be effective. And that day, many people came to Christ. He didn't even preach a word. He went in. And so what happens is when you meet with God, your countenance has changed. And I want to encourage you, be like Moses. Listen, just give it a try. Give it a try. See if it doesn't help your marriage. See if it doesn't help your job. Like when you get along with God and people say, there's something different about him. He's not condemning me. He's not, he's not angry. He, he, he's a different person because he was with God. Listen, this isn't about knowing the right answer. This is about being in relationship with God. So when we meet with God, the second point in your notes there is we choose joy. When we meet with God, we choose joy. Number one, he changes your countenance. Number two, you choose joy. George Mueller said this about, about meeting with God. I, I, I have a journal entry here from George Mueller, May 9th, 1841. He said that it had pleased the Lord to teach me a truth, uh, the benefit of which I have not lost for more than 14 years. The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not about how much I might serve the Lord, Not how much I might glorify the Lord, but how much I might get my soul into a happy state and my inner man might be nourished. Folks, let's go to the Lord. Let's make that our number one priority. Because when you meet with Him, oh, and I'm finding this more and more. When we get alone with Him, I'm a calmer person the rest of the day. I can handle life a little bit better. 
Because his, his presence is manifested. I can see what he's doing. And number three in your notes there, when you meet with God, he does great and mighty things. Just like the little girl with the hot water bottle and the doll. When have you asked God for something lately? When have you really depended on him? You know what? I want to encourage you. I'm praying for a few people in our church that are going through some extreme times right now. Bill Best is one of our deacons. He's 82 years old. He, he's been coming through the pandemic. He sits on the front row during the, since the pandemic, since we opened up. He came out. He's got an N95 mask, and he keeps it as tight as he can to his face, and he sits right here on the front row. He's been a prayer warrior of mine. He gets up and he prays at 5 in the morning. He prays probably for many of your names. As people come to the church, we give him, give him your name and he prays over you. This week, Bill Best, we've been talking to him on the phone the last couple weeks. He's starting to get sick and Bill Best went into the hospital. I want you to pray for Bill Best. Bill Best is, uh, is now dealing with cancer. Uh, he's one of my prayer warriors, and I want, I want to encourage you. I, I'm walking the journey with him. Uh, there's another girl. I'm meeting with God for this, man. I'm asking the Lord to, to touch people's lives. Last week at the 930 hour, on the very last row, a young lady came in. She was in a wheelchair. Her name's Rachel Laura. Rachel is the granddaughter of Mark and Sheree Adams. She's 17 years old. Six months ago, she was living a normal life and all of a sudden came down with pain in her legs. Ended up finding cancer. They brought her to Pittsburgh. She's been up in Pittsburgh for the last six months getting treatment. They found that the cancer had moved to her brain. She was here last week to worship the Lord. Can we thank God for that? What a powerful thing. We thank God for that. Thursday... Her family got in the car and drove to Florida. She's back in Pensacola. They live in the Pensacola, Florida area. And uh, they're probably watching right now. They have been watching us online for months. And I'll tell you what, I want to ask you to pray for Rachel, Laura, 17 years old. It's not a pretty picture, but I know that God is with her. Amen? And I know that God is with her mother. For Scott and Laura, so I want just write her name down. Rachel Laura, 17 years old. Listen, I'm going before God, and I'm asking God to please be with our people. This week we had uh, we experienced some loss in, in our in our church family here, and uh, I, I want you to pray today for Don, for Don Henzi, Don and Shannon, you know, and Don Senior is here. Don lost his wife this week, Donna. And so I, I want you to pray for them. We love you guys, and we're praying for you through this journey. And, uh, and they'll, be, they'll be having their, their viewing and everything this week. And I, I want you to pray for them uh, as we rally around them. But listen, we have got to come around the people of God. You know what they need? You know what the Hensley family needs now? They need the presence of God. And God's placed you strategically around them. Let's go love on them. Let's pray for the... Pray, pray for the Adams family, Mark and Sheree Adams. That's their grand, the grandparent of, the, of Rachel Laura. Let's pray for them. I, I'm coming before God. I'm saying, God, I want to see you work. Lord, I want to see the hot water bottle stories answered in my life. I want to see the little doll stories answered. And I want to see the cancer stories answered. But more importantly than all those, Lord, I want to see souls come to you. 
I want to see whenever our people go into work that people all of a sudden start to cry. Not because they're so mean, but because the presence of God is on them. Amen? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to take you to the Lord in prayer. And let's, let's just thank God. Father God, we thank you for the presence of the Lord to be upon us. And I ask that you help us, Lord, to seek you, to, to make that appointment, Lord. I pray you'll be with each person in our church, each one gathered online, as we meet with you. And we seek you regularly, Lord. We lift up to you, Bill Best, today, Lord. God, I I thank you for Bill, and I pray that you will do great and mighty deeds in his life, Lord, even in these times of cancer, Lord. I pray this morning also, Lord, not only for Bill, but for Rachel, Laura. God, she was here last week worshiping with us, and we love her family, Lord. We love Rachel. We love this entire family. Seventeen years old, Lord, dealing with cancer all over. God, I pray that you will just show yourself powerful to those people. Lord, if it be your will that you would remove that from her. God, we know that uh, your presence is upon her, and that's the greatest gift that we, can, that we can come and ask you for, is your presence, Lord. God, I pray for the Hensy family, Lord. I thank you for Dawn and Shannon, and I, and I thank you for Dawn Sr., and I thank you for Donna. We thank you that Donna has gone into your presence today, Lord. Lord, I ask that you will move mightily and that you'll do great things in all of our lives. God, we thank you that you said that you are with us. God, be with your people now as we go out into this big world who needs your presence and you've chosen us to take it with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great day.